What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode one of This Catholic Life, where we're going to talk about stories of what makes your Catholic life authentic, how you live in hope, and what you're looking for throughout the majority of your life here on Earth. Alongside Nick Longo, I'm Josh Kay, and through the next couple of months, weeks, years, however long it takes, and however many people we can find and get in touch with, we're going to talk about their lives. And so as we start today, we're going to just kind of go over the kind of the basics of where this podcast is going to lead you know, prayerfully consider uh, who to bring on and, and just kind of how to generally navigate through the waters of life. I think sometimes it gets very challenging for people to kind of see an end goal. And I think with this podcast, the goal is to really dive in to how you live your life just in a general way and in, and in a Catholic way and just the witness that you bear. So today, the first podcast uh, is, the, is the kickoff. It's the pilot. It's the direction of where we're going, and we're, we're happy to talk with you about our journeys, our Catholic life, and especially how we plan to you know use the Lord to direct where we're going to go. So I'm happy to introduce my partner in crime here and uh, the, the man driving the ship here, Nick Longo. What's going on, man? Not much. What's going on, Josh? Pretty excited for this. We're getting it going. We've been talking about this for months, and now uh, here it is. Finally in motion and the funny thing is when I when I think about you Nick I think about this creative mind that just has this idea and just flies with it and I'm so happy to be a part of this with you and part of the journey that we're taking here with this podcast and, and wherever God directs us you know the fruits of it are just are just exactly where it needs to be I'm so excited to be able to just reach people who might be out there who are struggling or just you know in need of good positive energetic charismatic Catholic content something that they they can go to you know when they're driving to work in the morning and they just need a message of hope something to inspire their catholic life something to inspire them just to keep living it you know at all times of the day when everyone's watching and when no one's looking i think that it's going to be really exciting to see the response that comes from this okay so let's talk about you yeah i mean it's it's this oh, is a shucks. this is the podcast this catholic life and how you are living your life and I think a lot of times people like to tune out the dark stuff in the early days and kind of their conversion, their formation in, into how they live their life now in a Catholic setting or in any setting and just in general, how the Lord is guiding their life. So, Nick, I guess I'll, I'll start with you with this question. How hard and difficult was it for you growing up to have kind of a model as to how to live your faith? It was tough, man. Um, you know, for me, I was super blessed, though, because I have an amazing mother. Um, you know, my mom is my number one fan. She's my big supporter. And, uh, you know, she was always, you know, praying and loving growing up. She would always be praying her rosary at the end of the night. Um, and she was always just a great witness for me in the home. Um, but my family struggled. Uh, you know, not everybody was, you know, practicing all the time. My dad didn't come to Mass with us on a regular basis. You know, it was Christmas and Easter for him and my brother and sister would come because my dad would force him to and uh, you know luckily my mom when I was a uh, going to my freshman year of high school she said Nick we're going to grandma's to go swimming <laughs> I was like all right sweet this is awesome so I put my swim trunks on and she drops me off at the church and she was like we're not actually going to swimming and you're actually just going to go to this youth group called Life Teen. And, 
we were going on this retreat later this week. She you fooled you. Yeah, she fooled me. Mm-hmm. I was literally, we showed up and I was like, Mom, what are you not telling me about Grandma? You know, like, why are we at the church? Like, is there, you know, I'm freaking out. It was, it was messed up. But uh, it was the best prank she ever pulled on me. Um, even though I walked down in my swim shorts late to youth group for the first time ever. It was a great first impression. But hey, I met you. We became friends 10 years later. Here we are. This is what we're doing. So, uh, you know, she was a great model for me and she always pushed me to the right things. And for me, I think it was when I came to Life Teen and when I came to Holy Family Church um, where my life was radically changed by the community here around me. You know, it was no it was no joke that God put me here at Holy Family. He put me here for a reason, you know. He put me here so that I can know that, you know, Holy Family is possible, that, you know, you can, you can meet people in your community who can lift you up and encourage you to build that family that you really want um, and that you're striving for, just to be rooted in prayer. And that's what I found here. And I think, you know, that, that model for me has led me to live my Catholic life, like, to the best of my ability. And sure, there are struggles, but thank God for, you know, the compu- community here uh, in the Syracuse area area always lifting me up and uh you know pushing me to just keep living it you know the one of the themes of this podcast is authenticity yeah and not sugarcoating things not fluffing it up like a youth group rally just being authentic and certainly sometimes we struggle i mean you talk about saint augustine who was a drunk right and he he did all these different things before you know his his wonderful mother just kept praying so yeah. there are parts in your life that you probably struggle with. We, you, you, you probably say that. And, you know, what led you there and then what led you out of those struggles? Sure. Um, you know, as you know, my, my biggest struggle in my life um, was when I uh, was just graduating high school and I found out my parents were getting divorced. I was completely devastated. And this was after a time in my life when I had grown up going to youth group. I knew my faith. I was trying to live it. But then when I heard this devastating news... You know, I did the wrong thing. I shut down and I blocked off all the things that were in my life that were trying to pour God into my heart um, and trying to lift me up. And uh, unfortunately, I turned to drinking. I, you know, I was looking for love, um, but unfortunately in all the wrong places. And I kept going to these parties when I was in college. And uh, it, it led me to, you know, crazy links to the point where I failed out of my first school. You know, we were there together in Oswego. And, uh, you know, when I came out of that struggle, I came home and I was afraid to face the shame of my family now, you know, failing out of of school and still struggling. I didn't want to face my, you know, Catholic friends that I had grown up going to youth group with. So I was avoiding them. But thank God, I had two of my best friends, Ryan Kraskowski and Dan Downs. They were always reaching out to me. These are two of my friends from youth group. Me and you both know them. And, uh, you know, they were always reaching out to me saying, Nick, hey, we're going to this confession service and we're going to go hang out at Tully's. Come hang out with us. Just always inviting me to, you know, be present in their lives. Just hang out with me. They're just being good friends. And, you know... I blew them off, blew them off for the longest time. Hmm. And then it came to this point where I hit rock bottom. I was at a party, and I'm usually super social, but at this party in particular, I was just standing in a corner, looking around at everyone, and just not talking to anybody. And I remember, it was at that moment at that party where God like spoke to my heart and just said, Nick, this is not where love is. And I looked out at everybody, and I was like, you know what, God? You're right. Like, I need to get out of here. So I text Dan because I remember him from always reaching out to me, always inviting me to things um, and ministering to me in that way. You know, I got to reach out to this guy. This guy has something that I need. You know, that's definitely where love is. And so I reached out to him. I said, Dan, I need you to come pick me up. Here's where I am at. 
him in rare form. He's picking up. It was two in the morning. I had been drinking. It was crazy. But he came and he came and picked me up at two in the morning. And, you know, he changed my life forever. Changed my life forever. And the first thing we did when we got back to his house was we prayed a rosary, me, him, and Ryan, and a few of our friends uh, from high school. We prayed a rosary together. We brought They brought me to confession the next day, and uh, we went to mass the next day, and it was like Catholic rehab. And, uh, you know, from there, it just, uh, I, I just decided to serve. I decided to get out there and get involved with ministry, and uh, I've been being get involved with uh, youth ministry ever since. I want to take you back to something you said about one of those times that you were at a party, and I don't think it happened by coincidence, and I don't think it always happens this way or to this extent, but you said you were at a party, and there was a point where you recognized I've had enough, or I can't do this anymore, or this isn't the life that was for me, and you recognized God in that moment. How were you able to differentiate the the conscience of just moral human being and this is God calling me to something more I don't know man I think uh, I think that I just I felt it in my heart and I think it's like one of those moments where when you know you know and it was like hit me like a ton of bricks like I was looking around at everybody and I was looking at people you know they're all struggling with this and I realized something I was like wow they're all trying to like just make friendships here but you know, none of these people follow up with each other. No, there's no like real communication between one another. There's no real friendship here, and uh, that just struck me. And I was like, I felt sad. I felt sad inside. Right. And I was like, man, there's no depth here. There's no real connection. And uh, I wanted something more. And I think God like just put that in my head. It put, like, and it was really, it was Dan and Ryan who kept like just ministering me and just keep. He they just kept loving me through all my crap, no matter what I was going through, no matter who I was being at the time, like they knew Nick Longo is a child of God and we need to love him. And so because of them being like that to me, like God showed up to me through all of those moments at the, at that one party, like it just popped up in my mind and I was like, man, like I know where God is. I know where God's calling me. Like I need to go and I need to get out of this. And God, God, he pulled me out, man. I, th- I think hearing that, it's almost like your aha moment. And I think we we have, everyone has an aha moment, especially in their walk with Christ, because of original sin, right? You wouldn't have to have this aha moment unless there wasn't sin put in the way. But I think through that aha moment, you've gotten to a point where you're at now. And we'll talk about now. You know, you said after that you got into ministry, you worked a little bit in youth ministry. The growth and the, and the potential from that has been what for you? For me, like I think in living out my faith and really trying to to serve and to get out there and do ministry, um, you know, which is by the way, doing ministry is not always the way you can <laughs> right. live this Catholic life. Exactly, like, it's just me for for just putting it out there for anyone living another life. But um, you know, for me getting out there, uh, living this life, it's. Uh, Ask the question again. I can't, I forgot. No, hey, listen. What you said. Listen, <laughs> it's like, totally fine. At this point in your life, you've had the initial conversion when you went to this retreat and you got hoodwinked by yeah. by your mom. Oh okay. yeah. You've had a fall. You've had an aha moment, and now you're back into ministry. You've right. worked in youth ministry for the last two years, and okay. now you've made a progress from here. Yeah. You know, where have you seen the growth in yourself, and how has that continued sure. to live your authentic <laughs> Catholic life? No, okay, totally, totally, totally. So yeah, like I like I was saying 
now I, now I remember. Um, <laughs> I think it's really got me to find my own self, like my like really who God is calling me to be. Because for a long time, like when I came out of it, like when I came out of my sin and started to really try to fight against sin and just you know bring hope into the world, bring love into the world. I started to look out to my mentors who were, you know, guiding me along the way. So, like, you know, Dan, my, Dan Downs was a big influence in my life. Uh, you know, my good friend Justin Matika, founder of Heart as Nails Ministry, huge influence in my life. And all these priests uh, that are good friends to me, I started to look to them as mentors and influences who, how I could live my life. And for a while, you know, there was this period of me where I was just living a life based on their model. And it started to come off inauthentic. It was just, you know, I was just doing you know the Justin Fatico way you know I was just acting hard as nails or I was just like acting like Dan Downs or whatever who also was involved with hard as nails so I was just acting like this this you know front of what I thought was a good Catholic and I think over you know the few years uh, that I started to get into you know deep my over the years as I started to deepen my prayer life I really started to realize like hold on a second like God's calling me, He's calling Nick Longo sure. to live out my talents, my dreams, my joys, everything for Him, my way. You know, not the way Justin's gonna do it, not the way Dan's gonna do it, not the way you're gonna do it. Like, we're all gonna live this life differently for the glory of God, you know, but we have to live it authentic to who we are. And I think I realized that over the years, and I think that's where my growth has come really it's come a lot lately it's come a lot you know over the past couple years for sure it's just growing in who I am as a person so there's another big part of your life and I think sometimes in living out your life you have to live out your vocation you have this beautiful fiance that who you're you know going to get married to in a couple of months here in your journey what role has she played in continuing to allow you to live your Catholic life Man, Christina gut checks me, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she does. She doesn't. You know, she doesn't hold back any punches. But it's like the best thing for me. Uh, you know, Christina really keeps me on the straight and narrow path. You know, she she pulls me. She reins me in if I'm you know trying to be like Justin again or like trying to be someone who I'm not. Because Christina knows me. You know, like all my. She knows me 100. percent You know, and so it's such a blessing to have her. To be able to just be like, hey Nick, like, come down, calm down. You know, like, like that you're being a little, you're being a little bit too, uh, not yourself. Like, come, come back over here. Like, settle, settle, settle down. down. Yeah, exactly. Sim- simmer down. Exactly. So she's been a huge blessing to me there, um, and also she's just such an encouragement to me, man. I mean, she's such an encouragement to me to know that I'm worth it and to know that I like have value because I think that's something I've struggled with over the years. Is that like, God, like, like am. am Am I worth this? Like, am I worth you dying on the cross for me? Am I worth, um, you know, this life that I'm getting blessed with? I mean, I get, I've gotten to do a lot of exciting stuff, and uh, I just constantly ask myself, like, you know, what the heck, you know, like, why me? And Christina is like always just encouraging me, and you know, having me grow in confidence in myself that you know I am worth it. And I am, you know. An amazing human being that God's created for purpose, because um, I think that's the thing I struggle the most is like, what's my purpose? Like, what do you have for me, Lord? Um, and like, does that matter? You know. But you know what? I'm here, 
God's made me so clearly I matter. And God, like, God died for me on the cross. So clearly I matter. You know, who am I to, like, judge what God decided, you know? And I think uh, Christina shows that to me. You know, Christina is a just a huge blessing in my life because she she prays for me and she and we pray pray together and i think seeing christ in her really lifts me up to know that that i matter because you know I, I get to see by her knowing and showing that she cares for me um and reminding me constantly that god cares for me through that um it's just such a huge blessing man it's been a huge blessing well okay i'm gonna go deep on you here Yes, let's there, do it. There's there's a point, and 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 I I appreciate that because I think a lot of people relate to when you have this vocation and you've dedicated to it and you're going with it and you've prayed through it, you have these blessings. You guys get to pray to pray together. You balance each other out, and I think all of those things are really awesome. But it's not always easy, right? Like there's been points in your life where you've maybe discerned something else or maybe you thought your vocation was something else. Was there a point in this discerning process and this prayer with the Lord that you came to the realization of, okay, this is it. It's Christina. And even though there's been X, Y, Z that has happened in my life or has directed me this way mm. or directed me that way, you knew that was it. Hmm. Like that I knew that Christina was the one? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, man, jeez. That is really deep. Wow. Um, get real. Get we, real. We, we get real. We go right down to the nitty gritty. Nothing nothing but real being Catholic. But uh, Christina, you know, being knowing that she's the one. For me, I, I struggled so much because my so my parents are divorced, like I said. And I really struggled with, you know, am I going to be an okay husband? Am I going to be an okay father? Um, you know, and these were all like irrational things I was thinking, but at the time, like that's what I felt, you know, I was feeling these things and I would bring those to Christina and she would encourage me a lot through those things. And she'd tell me to pray about it and, you know, go deeper in that. And, uh, you know, I think, I think over time, uh, just God revealed to me through my prayer, like that, like I, I can be okay. Like I can be a good dad, and I think I think I got so blessed with God's calling me to youth ministry, um, to be present to kids. Um, that it's something about working with kids in youth ministry changed my heart to realize that um, you know I can be I can be a good father, and dude, that that changed my life. But right. The, but there's this one guy actually. I worked as a youth minister after he worked as a youth minister at a parish. His name's Adam Michael Berger. And uh, Adam gave a talk in Oswego at Theology on Tap. I was running a program uh, called Theology on Tap here in Syracuse. And he was giving a talk. And uh, he talked about his journey of finding the one, finding his wife, Katie. And it really struck my heart. And I remember driving back from that talk, thinking about what he was talking about, thinking about what he said. because he, he proposed to his fiance after four months, um, as, or at least he knew he was going to propose to her. I don't remember the exact story, um, but he like knew after four months, like, I'm proposing to this girl. And I remember I was sitting there, and at the time when he said it, I had been dating Christina for four months, and I was like, God, what are you telling me? <laughs> oh yeah, no, exactly. I was like, I was like, I love like that type of stuff, and I was like, oh man, I gotta think, I gotta pray about this. And I drove home, and I was thinking about it. I was just like, holy crap, like. 
you know, I think Christina's won. Like, I, I think I gotta, I think I gotta pray about this more. And I was like, freaking out. But then I, you know, you, you do the whole step back. Whoa, it was just like the buzz from this guy giving the talk. Like, I gotta pray about this more. And I think I went to the grotto here at Holy Family. Uh, it was this beautiful shrine to Our Lady of Lords. And I was just praying a rosary there and thinking about, you know, Christina and our life together and what that could be. And I just, I don't know, man. I think, like, God just put in my heart. It was like, like this is a girl you're going to spend the rest of your life with. You know, you guys are on the same team. You guys are the right team. And you're going to conquer the, <laughs> you're going to bring, you're going to bring my message to the world. You're going to conquer this stuff, man. You're going to crush it. And, uh... Man, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's like, you got to make that choice. You got to make that choice for God. And, you know, I, I chose Christina. Like, I chose, you know, her in my life that she's going to be the one I'm setting apart because she is the one that's constantly, like, giving me grace, you know, in my life. And there's so many other people that give me grace in my life. But, like, sure. it's like Christina, you know, it's not God number one, you know, Christina and my family number two. And uh, you're just pouring grace out to me. And... Dude, I don't know. I don't know. Just the love and life. I'm loving life being engaged. You know, it's like, being engaged has been a great growing process too, but that's another story. Maybe we can get into that, maybe not. But anyways. So w- w- recapping, you know, you had your initial conversion where your mom in your trunk shorts for swimming went to Life Teen, mm-hmm. had your initial conversion there, struggle in, in college a little bit. Certainly everyone has their aha moment. And then you got into ministry and an engagement and, and the path has been like, out for you. Let's talk about youth ministry specifically that you were a part of. Best things about youth ministry and worst things about youth ministry. Go for it. Dang, dude. <laughs> uh, best things about youth ministry are... Man, the, the kids are freaking awesome. They're just so cool. I mean, you get to eat pizza regularly for free, you know, <laughs> like, and play dodgeball. I mean, you're a youth minister too, so, you know, you know it exactly. But it's just such an amazing gift uh, if you're ever called to be in youth ministry, you know, to be able to be present to kids. And for me personally, you know, to be present to kids in a way that, someone in my life had been present to me like I, a youth youth ministers changed my life josh you know youth ministers change your life you know and i remember always thinking growing up like man i want to do something like that for somebody else like i want to be a youth minister and to be able to have that blessing for me personally like that was amazing uh to be able to give that gift to you know a lot you know i don't know how many kids i've been youth minister for now probably a couple hundred uh between the two parishes and it's just Amazing to be able to just get to know their story and uh, grow in faith with them. Like, we grow so much more than they do, I think, sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, we just, I, I think God's just constantly pushing pushing stuff onto our hearts um, when we're, you know, in the thick of it in ministry, dude. So, I don't know. That's That's been the number one thing. Now, the, the craziest thing, I think, uh, for me is... There's like two things that I think of. It's probably the the struggles that you get to you know be part of. That's really hard to to deal with. I think sure. hearing the kids' struggles is is very difficult, um, especially when there's stuff that you struggle with yourself. You start to see yourself in these kids. Um, but then again, it ties into the joy of being a youth minister because you're you know able to go into that moment again and 
try to bring grace there and build that up. But then I think also, you know, the biggest struggle is uh, you never know what you're going to get working at a parish, parish life. And that's, that's a constant struggle, but you know, I'm sure everyone probably sees that in any parish, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, if you're, if you're working in a parish, you know, it's, it's definitely a constant struggle, whether it be, you know, the people you're working with or, you know, whatever the programs you're dealing with that you have to grow or whatever, manage. Um, so I don't know. So that's, that's Nick Longo living this Catholic life. There's been other things going on in your life. And I think one thing that actually sticks out to me that, you know, I think the audience should know, and I think people should know about you is that when you were in high school, you started this uh, non-for-profit organization called Stop the Hate, Spread the Hope. Um, and its initial uh, goal was to, you know, promote this idea of anti-bullying and how everybody is entitled to feel safe and to feel comfortable in their schools. Um, and it kind of morphed into something more, I think, more than you had originally thought. Uh, where along the lines do you put Stop the Hate, Spread the Hope in this story of your Catholic life? Yeah, um, I think it was my first call to go, go forth, man. Like, like that's my favorite Bible verse, Matthew 20, 19. Go forth, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the, Father, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I will be with you always in the Spirit. I love that verse so much, and I feel like um, you know that was my first call. You know, that was my first great commissioning, right? Of of me going out there and uh, bringing people to the Lord. And even though you know, for me, Stop the Hate, Spread the Hope was a public school initiative. I would go to public schools around uh, the country, and I would talk to people about you know why why being an upstander is a good thing. You know, you should stand up for people who are struggling with bullying. Why you know suicide prevention is so important in a school or anywhere in the world. You know, suicide is not the answer. And uh, um, I think, like, doing that in a public school for me, like, I think it got me to know that, like, I was called to go out and uh, bring a message of hope to people. Um, And I think that's something that I want to grow in now with this Catholic life is going out to parishes more and bringing the gospel message of of Christ is your hope. Like Christ is the reason for your hope. You know, from 1 Peter it says that. And I think that's, you know, where I want to build more into because as I would go around and I would tell kids to have hope to get through bullying, I always wanted to tell them, you know, the reason for my hope is because Jesus Christ died for me and lives and has promised me eternal life and that's a real thing and it's alive in your life and it can be present like can you can you like take this gift like let's yeah well that's beautiful because it started as in a public school where they've separated this idea of religion and education and it turned into something that is directly in that great commission from 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 jesus to his disciples about Mm -hmm. about spreading the the message of what what jesus and, and what god has has commanded us and i think that's awesome that is so cool so finally, before we, we uh, end, and I think we're going to do this with every single person that we interview in this Catholic life, we're going to do a segment that we like to call Rapid Fire. Oh, yeah. It's going to come questions at you. First thing that pops into your mind, uh, we'll give it a shot, and uh, we'll learn more about um, the authentic- authenticity that Nick Longo can bring. All right, sweet. You ready? Yeah, let's crush it. You sure you can handle it? I think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Favorite pizza topping? Favorite pizza? Oh, uh, pepperoni. 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 Wait. Buffalo chicken. I'm only saying that to just jam you're, Christina. You're defeating the purpose of rapid fire. You can't change your answer. <laughs> I'm <mid> sorry. Question. <laughs> uh, favorite movie. 
favorite movie, Bourne, Jason Bourne. I love him. Like I, the Bourne series. Yes. My dad is Jason Bourne. <laughs> it's a long story. People like email us if you want the real story about my dad is Jason Bourne. Yeah. <laughs> favorite uh, sports team? Favorite sports team, uh, Seattle Seahawks. Love them. And uh, the Boston Red Sox. Let's just throw that out there, Josh. Boom. Roasted. You know ah. what? I think <laughs> this podcast is over before it began. No more. Uh, your biggest mentor growing up? Uh, Justin Fatika. I mean, does that count? I mean, that's kind of now, too. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Justin Fatika. Or Andrew Prickle. Favorite thing to do on the weekend when you're not working? Favorite thing to do on the weekend when I'm not working? Oh, gosh. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Man, you are really killing this rapid fire. Dude, I don't know. I, I work a lot. I just do random stuff on social media and stuff. I'm like... Favorite superhero? <laughs> Favorite superhero, Captain America. I, want, I wear my Captain America shirts proud. Love that one. Uh, favorite uh, ice cream topping? Favorite ice cream topping? Uh, mint chip? I, is that a... I mean, sure, that Favorite ice cream, yeah. Favorite saint? Uh, Pierre Giorgio Frasati. He's not a saint yet, but he will be. He's a blessed. <laughs> there we go. We're getting He's there. my confirmation saint. Uh, favorite place that you'd want to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Rome. Definitely go, going to Rome. Yeah. If, if I could have afforded it for my honeymoon, um, Christy and I would have definitely gone there, but we're planning on it. We're like dreaming and we're like, we're, we're going. It's happening very soon. Awesome. Soon, Christina. You heard it here first. And lastly, <laughs> last thing to wrap up Rapid Fire, your two sentence reason of why you're living your Catholic life. Because God showed me that family is possible and family is amazing. Awesome. Well, that's Nick Longwood in a nutshell, and we know that you'll be hearing his voice throughout all these podcasts. And as we continue to move forward, you know, reaching out to to different groups and different people. You know, Nick said something in his um, in his uh, story there about how he's a youth minister, but that doesn't mean everyone's story is means youth ministry. You could be a musician, you could be an artist, you could work at a bank, you could be an athlete, you could do any different thing and still live this Catholic life. And that's the beauty of that, and that's exactly what we're striving for. Totes my goats. Welcome back, everyone, to This Catholic Life. Nick Longo here taking over, and we got Josh K in the hot seat. So we flipped the roles here. I liked I liked talking to you more than talking about myself. Now you're in the hot seat. All the pressure's on. I, I got it out of the way first, first, uh, first to go, but here we go. So, Josh, let's tell, tell them where did your Catholic life get started? So I guess maybe this is easier to relate to some people, some people probably not, but I lived a very, I guess the term would be cradle Catholic life. You know, I grew up with, you know, in a two-parent household with parents who were very loving and caring um, and had the influence of a Catholic faith very early on. You know, I was able to go to a local Catholic school here in Syracuse, New York uh, for the first six years of my education. Uh, and then I went to a public school from there. So I think that is, the, the roots were there. But I've always said in, in my kind of relationship with God as it has grown that I never had a relationship, even though I grew up Catholic and even though I went through the motions, you know, throughout elementary school, then middle school and throughout high school, I never had a relationship with with the Lord until 
you know, I got to the youth group programs that they have. Um, and some of you listening may be like, well, you just heard about Nick who went to youth group, had his conversion, and now he's here. And now we hear Josh who has his conversion there. You know, so do I have to have a conversion there? No. You know, your conversion may come when you're 80 years old. It may come when you're 10. You know, it may come where somewhere in between. Um, and that's incredibly important for, I think, everyone to understand that just because this is my story doesn't mean it has to be your story. Uh, but it was at a at youth group, and I think it was the people that I met that I was able to live my life with, not by myself. You know, there are other kids from neighboring high schools to me that were in you know, this life team group, which, you know, sidebar here, life team model for Catholic youth ministry, unbelievable. It has everything you need to grow a community of people living, you know, a Catholic Get life. Passionate. Right. So uh, the, that kind of was was a start for me. And I think through through that, through the four years that I attended that in high school, it kind of began to lay the the cornerstone, uh, as you would say, uh, for where I am today. Certainly bumps and bruises along the along the road, but I think that right there, and then just the different retreats or conferences, just kind of lit a fire under my butt, so to say, and you know got me in the right frame of mind. Wasn't the actual aha moment that we talked about before uh, with you, but that was kind of the the groundwork. Awesome. Um... So you think your roots started to take place at your youth ministry? As, as a teen or yeah, as, as a, teen. a teen? Yeah, I think so. I think there were a couple different moments throughout um, the four years that I was in Life Teen where I, I, I found myself wanting more. Yeah. I, was, I was a seeker and I wanted, and I'm still a seeker, I feel today, but I was seeking something more because I was never a popular kid in high school. You know, there were different times where I would go through periods in school where, you know, I didn't really sit with the athletes, even though I was an athlete, you know, but then you know, there were just different groups that didn't exclude me. I think the, the turning point for me was one of my youth ministers we did this thing about looking on the periphery and, and seeing the outcast in your life. And he challenged us. He said, okay, go to school on Monday and don't talk to anybody. Go to school and just be there and see if people communicate with you. you know, it, may, it may sound weird. You know, how do I not talk if a teacher answers, asks me a question or, you know, well, that's okay. That's, that was the point. It's just you not initiating anything and letting people see, um, you know, see if they communicate with you. So I said, okay, I'll try this. So I went into school on a Monday and I didn't talk to anybody. Nobody talked to me. And so I went home and I went, wow, I just went through an entire day of school where really nobody acknowledged me, acknowledged who I was. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try it a second day to see what happens. So I go back to school on Tuesday and, you know, I, 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 I get in the door and I walk up, to, I'm walking by the girl I was crushing on that year and like she knew it and I knew it and we were going back and forth like the eye, you know, the eye lock, like oh, yeah. you pass each other in the hall and she didn't say anything to me. I thought for sure I would at least get something from her and I didn't. And, you know, at the lunch table, I just, I didn't initiate conversation and some of, some of my friends didn't either. So I went and made it two days without talking to anybody. And so then it really started to hit me like, wow, like this is not good. So I went to school on Wednesday, not attempting to not talk to anybody, 
But I was so hurt by those two days that it turned into a third day of nobody talking to me. And I felt so outcast there. And I think then, like, my personality as a person is just very outgoing and very just genuine towards other people. My personality kicked back in and I started to initiate conversations on Thursday with people. And then things kind of went back to kind of this equilibrium state. But those three days put me in this perspective of how much there are so many people on the outcast and the periphery of just life and society. They're not looked upon in the right way. And for me, that was one of those moments, like I said, in, in, in high school, I went, okay, there's something more here. There's something more that I can do or that our society can do to live out this gospel message. Yeah. And I think that those were a couple instances there. There were certainly some of these big trips, uh, youth trips that you take. But I think that, like you asked, was kind of the foundation, the groundwork for me. Did you ever go share that with anyone? You know, I've shared it uh, in, in different ministry forms that I've been in. Um, yeah. And I think the reception has been good. Um, but I think the, the goal of that, you know, and I went back to my youth minister um, the next week. Um, and I said to him, I said, listen, you know, that was really bad. That was, that was a really tough thing to do, and it turned into three days. You know, you asked for one, and it turned into three because, yeah. you know, I lost courage to talk to people. And I think that was the goal that was, like, for him, that was the affirmation that his message had gone across, and it gave me a better perspective. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was certainly a good opportunity to minister, but at the same time, it just doesn't end there. You have to keep going. You now have to do it and live it the same way. Awesome, dude. So then what was the next thing? So then it was college. Uh, college was uh, kind of a, an interesting sector for me. And, and I say that because because of the foundation I had, I knew morally right from wrong. Um, and I knew that it was important to go to mass every week. I knew that it was important to utilize the sacraments. I knew it was important to be in a community that would build me up and not tear me down. But I think that this idea of acedia crept in. And for those who don't, acedia is this like over-the-top laziness. It's one of, you know, the seven deadly sins. Uh, This laziness and this um, inability to pursue God. And and when that crept in, it wasn't laziness where I just sat all down and played video games and didn't do my college work. It was laziness to live my faith. And so I got in, I got into some trouble. I got into a lot of drinking. I got into some parties. I got into, um, you know, in, in, in purity, um, in, in just different aspects of my life. Um, and it just, it, it brought me to rock bottom, um, from a standpoint of, you know, I was a liar. I was a hypocrite. You know, I, I, I was a leader of this group in, in high school as, as a teen leader. And I, and I was just completely 180 and I, and I, and I was living this life that I said, you have to try to avoid but I even put myself in the right situations. And I think it, it kind of, you know, took me um, by storm. And I think I wasn't prepared enough for it. And it, and it kind of worked in, in, in a negative way for me. Yeah. And uh, do you think that, like, when, when you would come home and visit from college, like, how would the, you know, hanging out with all your friends here um, from your youth group and stuff? Because we, like, we always met up, like, after we come home from semester, people sure. come home, we'd meet up and hang out. Like, what, what was that like for you? I think it was, it was very hard because I remember I was, you know, I, I, was, I was living the, that life that I knew I needed to live for maybe two months. 
And in one of the times that I uh, was reading some scripture, I was reading Matthew 5.48 where it says, we're called to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And the word perfection scared me. So that when I made the first mistake, I was like, well, I'm never gonna be perfect again. So, you know, I guess I'm gonna keep making more mistakes. So that bled into when I was home with my friends from youth group, I was so embarrassed to tell them about college because I didn't know what was right. You know, I was embarrassed to say, hey, I fell down. I was weak and I I lasted, you know, four months without drinking alcohol underage. Or like I made out with this girl two weeks into college, you know, and I had no intention of discerning a vocation with her. You know, I was so afraid to say any of those things because I thought the idea of perfection, you know, as God is calling us to be was so, you know, was, was a misguided view. And I think had I known that like, in your weakness, you're made perfect. In your weakness, you are strong. I probably would have helped me out. Probably would have encouraged me and let me know that it's okay to find God's mercy in that weakness. I would have gone to confession more. You know, I would have been able to get more involved in, in a way that I, I didn't when I was there. Um, and so it was, it was a struggle. It certainly was a struggle. Yeah, man, I think that's so powerful to have that moment to learn that like you're made perfect in your weakness through Christ you know and that by his grace he can come into that weakness and lift you up and you know let that be a witness to the whole world that this Catholic life is possible yeah it certainly is you know you can live it and it can be amazing right awesome dude so um then you get out of college and you start working. You get your, what is it, broadcast journalism degree? Yeah. Right? Okay. Got my, uh, Here we are using it. Bachelor's <laughs> degree um, of arts in uh, broadcasting and mass communication with uh, with a minor in business. And I think it was it was very interesting because there was a parallel. So I was failing as, as a Catholic man, but I was achieving in moral discipline in making good decisions as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, I was actively pursuing a career. I was taking the right steps. I was being a good person. I was interviewing the way you'd expect anyone who wants a job to interview. And I was doing all this broadcasting stuff and I was building up quite a rapport with professors, with different local media outlets, uh, especially in sports, because that's exactly what I wanted to go into. Yeah. So when I did graduate, I moved out of Virginia for a year and a half and I started to work for uh, the um, the Norfolk Tide, which is a triple A baseball um Triple A baseball team um, in in you know kind of uh, the media field, and it was good. I mean, I, I loved being in Virginia. Certainly beats this weather in Syracuse, man. You know, I just it wasn't <laughs> yeah. it was not fun. See, everyone laughs when they think of Syracuse because haha, snow capital of the country. Um, so Minnesota, you got nothing on us. Uh, <laughs> but I think it was there, um, you know, that I that I finally hit hit this like missing piece in my life you know I was I was excelling professionally at least for the year and a half that I was that I was down in Virginia but I think personally spiritually uh, something was missing but I think and, and I give all the credit in the world to the, the to the parent model that my parents have mm. uh, that they laid that groundwork that I talked about in the past yeah. um, that I knew what it was that was missing and I went for it so I got involved with um, another life team group at a Catholic parish right next to my apartment down there um, and, and I became a core member for life team uh, so I knew the model because I went through it as a team and the core members that I grew up with, you know, the, the volunteer leaders, uh, adult leaders, were so influential for me. 
and I felt that okay, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give back here, and I'm gonna do it in a way that you know I know how because I've 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 gone through this, and it started to sprinkle the seeds of of what I'm doing today, where I am now. It, it, it turned into this desire to live out uh, God's call for me. Uh, the youth minister down there is a near dear friend of mine. Um, hopefully we'll bring him on the podcast in a few in a few weeks. But he he instilled in me this drive to, to, to live a, a professional life, enjoying sports, enjoying friends, enjoying doing different activities, but also doing it for the glory of God. And in a way that's inspiring, and it got me involved in, in in a way that I never thought that I, I would, I would. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And I want to I want to jump back to uh, I want to talk more about um, you know you down in Virginia, but let's jump back to your family. Uh, how were they when when you came? just graduated college, you know, and you, and you would share with them your struggles with the faith and, or what you were going through, you know, how, how was that? Oh. The card's full. Do you have another card? No, I don't have another card. Let me use that one. You, you can use that. You want to use that? You can grab that. You're gonna have to. No, that was. Click. I want to come closer. You can zoom in a little bit. We're still recording. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's still recording. Okay, great. I think my family, for me, uh, was was a model of stability. You know, when I, when I think of um, a role model for great parents, um, I immediately go back to Mary and Joseph and how awesome that we get to start this podcast and start this fruit of, of our prayer um, on the feast day of St. Joseph the Worker, the foster father of, of, of Jesus. Uh, their model where Mary said yes, um, she said yes. And Joseph, not knowing what the heck is going on. I mean, you put you picture yourself in that situation. You know, here is Joseph um, who, you know, when you have a child out of wedlock, you know, that was a huge thing back then. Um, and so now, you know, this, this immaculate uh, conception, um, you know, is happening with Mary. So now he's told, hey, you know, she was conceived without sin and now she's going to bear the savior of the world. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I should just quietly walk away. Um, but he doesn't. And, and I, I think just being that model. Also, one of the things I love about St. Joseph the Worker um, is that he is the father that gets no credit. But he was okay with that because he just lived that Catholic life, yeah. you know, and he was a carpenter, you know, he wasn't going around, you know, preaching and teaching. He was a carpenter. Yeah. And, you know, he had 
such a huge role to fill because, you know, obviously Jesus, you know, God our Father in heaven, but he had this role to fill. And I think my parents modeled that so well that my father growing up always said, you know, listen, you know, I'm just I'm just here until you get to heaven. I'm just fathering you until you get to heaven. And if you can live out, you know, the, the life that I've carved for you, it'll be awesome. And my mother just, you know, cares incredibly. Um, and she just wants the best and strives the best and just is constantly a, a motive of support. So again, laying the found work that got me where I needed to be. That's awesome. Just something about St. Joseph the Worker that I just want to throw in there that I think is so amazing. For anyone out there who's struggling with purpose, St. Joseph the Worker changed my life because of, you know, Jesus was a carpenter with his dad. And I thought about that, you know, it took him 30 years until he started his public ministry and started going out there in the world, you know, on a saving mission. But that carpentry work was part of his saving mission, you know, and I think it's a true sign of patience, you know, that just time of building himself up, of forming himself. And I thought about this one time in prayer. There is no freaking coincidence in the fact that Jesus was a carpenter because, you know what, he probably needed the time lifting up all those pieces of lumber and working with those nails. He probably got a few things stubbing his thumb, you know, every time he was hammering in something or whatever he was doing, building something, you know, but he needed that time working with all those different things so that he could be ready for his time on the cross. One of the greatest analogies that I have ever heard about Jesus as a carpenter is that we're called to be builders, not creators, just as Jesus was a a carpenter. Uh, St. Joseph is the uh, patron saint of the universal church. So it comes from him, and it comes from his mentorship and his and his fatherhood that that really kind of molded where I think my dad was coming to me um, in my times of success and struggle. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So that's our tangent of Saint Joseph the Worker, but he's awesome, and we're called to build up the church. And Josh, you jumped into building up the church and ministry down in Virginia. We're going to jump back there. I want to talk about Aaron um, now. Your your good mentor down there in Virginia, the youth minister who you were working with at that life team program. How was him, you always talk to me about him and his wife, who were a great encouragement to you um, while you were down there in Virginia. Tell me about, like, your story of just your relationship with them and how they changed you uh, to, you know, just live on fire for the Lord. I think, for me, they were one of the greatest witnesses to a fulfillment of a vocation. I think the way that they communicated together, the way that they built each other up, challenged each other, certainly in different areas to to be a better leader, to to be a better person uh, was was one of the huge uh, reasons that, that I found success because they didn't have to uh, do what society says to be a couple. They just lived it. They lived the Catholic life. He was a youth minister. She was on the court team. Uh, she had a job, um, you know, working uh, for an insurance company. And that's exactly it. You know, she's living her Catholic life by living out her vocation exactly how God wants her to. You know, the greatest way to find uh, this relationship with God and this love God has for us is through loving your spouse in that vocation. Or if it's you're called to the priesthood or religious life, it's loving Christ through that vocation. And I think they were the perfect example of that. Uh, and I think Aaron was the was a huge driving force for me specifically getting back into youth ministry. I think for me, I was so nervous. Again, goes back to this insecurity about that Matthew uh, verse 548 that talks about perfect because a lot of my youth minister friends have these theology degrees. 
you know, they've gone to Franciscan University, got a theology degree, or they've gone to other uh, institutions that, you know, give out these incredible degrees from some amazing professors. And I didn't have that. I just had my experiences as a teen and my experiences as a core member that led me um, in, in what I'm doing now. And I think his guidance and his affirmation, his encouragement, uh, not only when I was down there in Virginia, uh, letting me, you know, take different roles with some of the teens, you know, helped me immensely get to where I needed to be in order to take the job when I came back. So you're back here in the Q's 315. Always. Living it up as a youth minister. Um, What has been your biggest joy? I think for me, the biggest joy is letting the Holy Spirit work through me. Because when that happens, the residual effect on these teens is tenfold. Uh, I was tasked with, uh, when I took the position um, at the parish that I'm at now, of creating an environment that was fruitful to build a program. There was a program there, and it had been there for uh, um, about a year and a half, and it, it, it had its roots, and I, and I appreciate everything and the work that the people before me put in. But I, I had to create an environment. And I, and I think just through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, just you know, every day when I would pray um, for the group, I would say, Lord, just give me the, the wisdom and the knowledge and the courage to live this life in order to create an environment for these teens. And I think now, you know, it's just their witness to me has been the greatest joy. We did a night a couple of weeks ago um, about accountability in living the Great Commission, which, you know, bingo, that's exactly what you talked about. a team came out to me this week and said, listen, you know, I've been wanting to do night prayer every single time. I set an alarm for 9 p.m. I had my accountability partner, another team, um, text me at 9 p.m. And, you know, I've gotten into this this night. I've done night prayer for the last three weeks. It's illuminated my life. And to me, that that is just the joy that I get, the satisfaction that I get, that it's not me. It's God through me working exactly his will into my life to witness to these teens. And I think that's just the joy that I, you know, you can't put it on run in, in service to the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think you've been a huge encouragement to me with the amount of your prayer life and how real that is. Because I know ever since you came back, you were an encouragement to me just to see the witness that you were praying all the freaking time. I mean, this guy's a prayer warrior, guys. Like, let me just tell you something about Josh K. Freaking prayer warrior. He definitely, the Holy Spirit definitely flowing through him because you need that prayer life in your life. And I think right. you're you're definitely a huge model of that. It's just constant prayer, man. So lifting up for that. But um, so what about the biggest struggle? That's funny. I was waiting for that question because I asked you about it. I, I think the biggest struggle has been insecurities on my own end about wanting to grow the program and not seeing the growth right away or not always feeling like I'm making an impact or not always thinking that, you know, man, I could have done this better. I should have said this better. I could have planned this out better. And I think that is, that's, that's the devil trying to creep in um, and, and tear me down. Somebody once told me that the devil doesn't go after people who are, are lost. He goes after the people who are on the front lines, the people who are trying to bring those souls to God and trying to initiate a conversion of heart. 
where the, where they can reach God in heaven. The devil hates that. Mm. You know, he hates that. He's trying to get into my life night that I run every time. But the prayer and the angels and the Holy Spirit just shining down and says, get behind me, Satan. Uh, but sometimes it still creeps in. And sometimes I don't think I'm worth it enough to, to, to get a program where it needs to be. In comparison to other programs, it's probably the worst thing you could possibly do in ministry. Because if one kid shows up, that's exactly what God needed for that night because it's, it's one-on-one ministry. Um, if a big group shows up, you witness to a larger scale so they can go back out. And I think sometimes not realizing that was probably the, has been the biggest struggle. Awesome, man. So uh, let's, uh, let's just kind of recap here. So your parents, you know, they, they put the roots in your life. They're a great model to you. They send you to Life Teen. Uh, your youth group builds you up, gets you excited, and then you lose that support. You go to college. Right. And it was a huge struggle. You come out, and you get in the professional life, working for the Tides, and a mentor walks in your life again. God just shows up through this sure. you know, awesome guy, Aaron, and his uh, entire core team there at the church, and boom, you're, you, the Holy Spirit's lifting you up again, and you, you're working, and you're, you, you go out there, and you serve, and you, you get your commission, you're, you're crushing it now in youth ministry, and you're reminding yourself always to pray, um, and, right. and you just build up the Holy Spirit in that environment that you're building uh, you know, here in Q's. And now... You know, you you also you just recently got back from uh, this little uh, theology of the body uh, course. How'd that change yeah. your life? That to me was probably my aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, it made it gave me a window into my heart that I had locked off and never looked at. I think most of our struggle is that our desires are twisted in life. I mean, it could be a sexual desire, but I'm talking a general desire of just what we value in our life, what we want in our life. And I think when my desires were illuminated there and it it directed me that the deepest desire of my heart is for God, is for a relationship with God, it, it allowed me to live out my call in in a newer sense. It allowed me to surrender myself to God's will. And and, and it's it's a liberating thing because does that mean he's going to ask me to give up loving sports or give up, you know, going for runs or just vegging out with some friends, having a beer or two? No, but it allows me to know that whatever God puts in my life, whatever struggle, whatever success, you know, it's a choice from our free will given by God when free will was given, it was given out of love because God is love. Um, and so that really illuminated my heart. And I would recommend anybody um, that if you get the chance to, to, to take a retreat and go on a Theology of the Body course, because uh, it, it not only, one, does it direct your life in a vocation towards marriage and a vocation towards the priesthood, but it directs your life and it gives you a purpose of, of knowing the goal, the ultimate goal, which is, which is union with God in heaven. And it just, that was my, that was my aha moment. So what's next? Million dollar question, right? What is next? You know, what is next is whatever God puts in front of my life, uh, whatever, wherever God takes me. He could take me to uh, a place that I've never known that I can fulfill. He could continue keeping me in, um, in this role as a youth minister. He could 
you know, show me my vocation more clearly. He could, whatever God has in store for me, I'm confident um, that that he, he will provide. And I think so many times that's just a cliche answer. Well, God will provide. But, but I think that's just exactly what it is. You know, if you're a banker and God's going to provide for you, gives you a family, gives you a, a model to live your life and to witness to others, that's it. You know, if he asks you to be a Derek Jeter athlete, that's what he's doing. He's giving you these gifts and talents. So as cliche as, cliche as it sounds, you know, God is going to provide exactly where he needs me to be and in the, and, and in the mission he needs me to be in to fulfill, fulfill this, this call. Yeah, man, it's amen to that. You just got to cast that, knee, uh, that net out to the deep and say, Jesus, I trust in you. No, I, I, <laughs> You're it, and it's the hardest thing to do because people say, Jesus, I trust in you, but I trust in you until it comes time to taking something away or yeah. putting me in a situation that I don't want to be in. And until I think, I'm uncomfortable, right? And, yeah, and I think that's, that's the difference between authentic, authenticity and plagiarizing your life. Mm. You know, like I think that's the difference that people get lost in. And it's not me condemning anyone. It's just me encouraging to take that last step, to jump in fully and immerse yourself in the grace of, of, of a merciful Lord. Yeah, man. Amen to that. So let's go into the rapid fire round as I'm gonna, you dubbed it. I'm going to crush this more than you did because you just uh, blanked out on, on many different occasions there. All right. So... How many times a day do you fart? 17. Oh my God, he just went for it. I have no idea if that's an accurate number. I just, I just put it out there. I love it. I love it. Um, let's see. Um, the next one is, what's your favorite type of topping on pizza? Uh, bacon. Bacon. Oh, nice. What is your favorite prayer? My favorite prayer? I love praying a novena. Mm. That's my favorite prayer. To who? Uh, the one I've been doing recently is actually to St. Barbara. Mm. Uh, well, we can talk about that on a different uh, on a different pod. But uh, praying a novena because it, it structures your prayer for nine days and it allows you to actively intercede for something. It's my favorite. Love it, love it. And uh, what's your favorite topping on ice cream? Sprinkles. Traditional man. Nice favorite sports team. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Yankees fan, uh, through and through. Uh, you steal I, all our players. What's that? You steal all of our players. Go Red Sox. That's you know that's what happens. But my my mother made sure you know when I was born that I'd be wrapped in like a blanket that had Yankees on it, and I became a fan for life. Awesome, 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 awesome. Well, Josh, thanks for living this Catholic life, and uh, excited for the next one that we interview somebody other than ourselves. It's gonna be sick, dude. Well, thanks for listening with us through This Catholic Life in the first episode, episode one, our pilot episode. Coming up in the next couple of episodes, we'll really dive into This Catholic Life and look at how people live their lives, from youth ministers to musicians to priests, sisters, nationally known speakers, and just maybe your local next-door neighbor. We really want to bridge the gap between your courage of saying yes to the Lord at all times and, and being afraid. And if you hear the stories from other people, I think you'll be able to, to know that you're not alone. You're never alone in your walk with the Lord. Yes, he wants that personal, intimate relationship with you, but he wants you to know that uh, he would have died on the cross for you or he would have died on the cross for just about anybody. Amen, brother. And uh, 
you know, everybody, I just want this to be a constant encouragement for everybody. If you're you know, driving to work or you're just sitting around at home or you're maybe you know, about to go to the chapel and pray, you know, just to continue living your life no matter you know what time of the day it is. Um, just start praying and loving everywhere you're going and start bringing that love to the world. You know, Jesus is working through you. The Holy Spirit is present and real. So pray, let that fire come alive and share with the world. Check back on our website, on our Twitter for more information regarding more podcasts. We're really, really excited to get things going with you. And hey, if you got questions for us, you can message us. We, we can ask questions that you want to know. If you got a question for a specific guest, we'll have that lined up and we'll give you a rundown on our social media accounts of when they're going to come on. And if you got questions, shoot them your way. But at the, at the very end of the day, it's about you. It's about letting you know that you are not alone. And we're so excited to have you join us for this amazing journey that God has given us. Amen. Amen.